The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, trade deadline looming. Trades are floor, flooding in. I mean, I've been pretty surprised by all the movement. We got a lot of guys to talk about who are on the move. I know right before we started, Jesus Lazardo, pioneer in the gaming injury. Uh, <laughs> classification i don't even know but i i was a little surprised to see that we'll talk about that momentarily but how are you man i'm doing well i'm doing well uh it's good i'm, I'm staying I'm in, afloat with all this news well our, our talented news crew has been handling most of it i've been obviously adjusting like the team top 20s whenever a, a prospect from there gets gets dealt but um I mean, I've been I've been working on the dynasty update, and I was kind of dreading it for a while uh, leading up to it. But it's actually been kind of fun. Um, I've got, you know, just it, I've kind of got the the juices flowing. Uh, like already, sort of looking forward to drafts next year. Uh, Lord willing that there's a season next year, but like it's just it's been a lot of fun to kind of see recalibrate uh, sort of, a little bit. Yeah, just kind of get a because I mean, obviously, I'm I'm very focused on how the players on my fantasy teams have been doing this year. But when I do the dynasty rankings, I'm obviously looking at how everyone's doing, and it's just it's been it's been fun to kind of get get a, a really in depth look at all that. So um, I'm actually actually doing much better during this update than I thought I'd be doing. Nice. We'll talk about those a little bit. Preview those a little at the end of the show. Anybody though, like putting you on the spot but anybody you kind of as you dug in were like wow i didn't realize he was this good or this bad cody bellinger i didn't realize until recently just how bad he's been yeah i've I've been advising people to not trade cody bellinger right now because i think this is going to be something where we look back and and this will be the low point of his value but i i totally get the frustration i i only have him 
in one league and uh needless to say that that team's not contending this year but um you know i honestly like i i put in some guys into the the outline of guys who have been uh pretty bad but uh a couple guys who i've i was high on you know before the year um and i just kind of gave them a big vote of confidence i mean so i guess not necessarily answering your questions so i've got them on plenty of teams i'm not surprised by how they're doing or you know didn't discover how well they're doing but um i really i really love what i'm seeing from andrew vaughn and austin riley uh especially when you take in the the context of of andrew vaughn's season um just the fact that he's been a well above league average hitter and he's been playing out of position and you know he's jerked around early in the year. Uh, like if I if I've got Andrew Vaughn on a on a dynasty league team, I'm feeling really good about uh, where that's headed in the coming years. I mean his his spray chart specifically is just absolutely picturesque. I mean he just he hits lasers all over the place, and I think he's only going to get better. I mean I think that the strikeout rate's only going to come down, the walk rate's only going to go up. Uh, Austin Riley, I mean we I've sung his praises before, but I mean, for this guy to have gotten to this place with his his plate discipline as quickly as he has, I, I didn't even really see that coming. Like, um, you know, walk rate up over ten percent. I mean, he's just he's just been a beast. Uh, so, those are two guys that are, are trending up. But I've got I've got uh, some some big fallers that we could talk about towards the end of the pod. I see it's. Never too early to start thinking ahead to next year. And um, I'm, I was thinking the other day about dramatically scaling back my leagues. I think I'm going to have to just, uh, you know, you, you leave some kind of just abandoned and not fully abandoned, but I just feel like I neglect some. And I'd rather trim down to like five or so next year. Um, but next year is going to be a, a weird season. A guy who's been shockingly bad, and we talked about him at the very top, but Jesus Lazardo, no longer prospect eligible, but he was dealt today as the, well, I think it was straight up one for one, but plus cash for uh, with Starling Marte from Miami in exchange for Lazardo. Kind of crazy to see his stock fall this much. And he has dealt with injuries, but performance-wise, I'm not putting a lot of stock into the 38 innings we've seen this year. Yeah, you know, I I noticed like the immediate reaction on Twitter was just like, oh man, what a what a great job by the Marlins, um, you know, all, all that stuff. Like, oh god, they got such a great haul for Sterling Marte, and I mean, I think it's probably going to be tough for another team to come in and, and beat that that offer. But actually, I think the A's deserve a ton of credit here. Uh, I think that this is the type of move that the A's are one of the few teams in baseball that actually makes this type of move. And I, I think it's something to be commended when every team is just clutching tightly to all their young, talented players and just refuse to, to really make those sort of big win-now moves that, that might be something that they look back and regret. Uh, it actually you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of – back when the A's traded Addison Russell for like that was Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill, maybe um, 
like everyone at the time was just like, oh man, the Cubs, what a what a great pickup, uh, getting Addison Russell. I mean, the A's knew more about Addison Russell than the Cubs did. And they were like, yeah, this guy's thought of as a top 10 prospect in the game, but you know, we're, we're trying to win this year and we need, we need the horses to get it done. And we're willing to move this guy because we, we think he might be a little overvalued. I mean, the A's know more about Jesus Lazardo than, than any team in the majors does. And they were willing to move him uh, for a very, very good player, but a rental. And I just, you know, my hat's off to them. I mean, I, I would probably do that deal if I'm Miami as well, but I just, I don't think the A's are getting enough credit for being willing to trade a player like that for a guy to help them win this year. Yeah. And we've talked about how you don't really see these kind of names moved all that often anymore. Maybe Lazardo doesn't quite fit in that mold anymore, but because the shines worn off a little bit, but still a little surprising. And yeah, it's, I give the A's credit for, you know, having the stones to make a move and maybe take a little backlash. But if they if they can finally get over the hump and win this year, it obviously looked great. Now, Abraham Toro was dealt. It was the Graveman deal last night. So Toro was kind of like, wasn't he like taking BP in the other jersey? And then he hit a home run, a three-run homer late. So quite a debut for him. I know you were high on Abraham Toro as a prospect. Uh, do you think this move, this change of scenery leads to another step forward? Or do you think he's kind of this guy, this bench guy, uh, part-time player for the rest of his career? Well, I think it's it's a really great trade for his Dynasty League value and and obviously like his redraft value because he was he was about to go back to a part-time role once Alex Bregman came back. And now I think he's going to get as much as he can handle in terms of playing time with Seattle. So just moving from that spot where, you know, he was fairly blocked long-term, I would say in Houston and would have needed to really sort of force the issue. Like he was going to need to really force them to to find a spot for him if he stayed in Houston. Uh, Now we get to actually just see a nice long runway for him to really sort of see what he's got. I was very high on him as a prospect. I, I was thinking back to like 2019, uh, like Trent Grisham and Abraham Toro were kind of like right next to each other in sort of like the thirties in my top 400 as kind of big, you know, guys who really improved their stock in 2019 in the minor leagues. Obviously we've seen what Trent Grisham has, has gone on to, to become. Uh, but Toro, you know, he's had some opportunities here and there hasn't made the most of them. And so that's kind of led to sort of limited opportunities. He's, he's basically needed an injury in order to get playing time. And, you know, he's done, he's done better this year than he did uh, in 2020. But I, you know, I, I still think there's something there. Uh, I mean, he makes contact at a really good clip. Uh, I mean, you saw, you see what he did in, in triple a, um, was walking way more than he was striking out at triple a, had a strikeout rate under 12% at AAA as a 24-year-old. So, I mean, at at the very least, this guy is a really good quad A player. And I think when you combine the the power um, that he's shown in the upper levels with the contact skill, he's kind of a sneaky athlete too. Like, he doesn't really look that athletic, but uh, he's got like three steals so far this year. 
Like I'm, I'm very excited if I have Toro in a dynasty, it might not work out. You know, maybe, maybe he just kind of settles in as a guy who no one's ever really that satisfied with him being an everyday player for them. But I, I just think it's, it's really encouraging that he's going to get this look now over the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I, I kind of think no matter how he does, I'll probably be in next year on Abraham Toro, assuming that they haven't brought someone in ahead of him on the depth chart. But uh, I'm 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 into Toro. I'm I'm not willing to kind of give up on him yet. And I think that that was a, a sharp move by the Mariners. Always good to see a guy get that fresh start, and we'll see what he does with it. Abraham Toro. I'm old enough to remember when he was Abraham Toro Hernandez yep. on some sites, and. Uh, that was not that long ago, but it's like two years ago. Um, but yeah, for Seattle, I imagine Paul Seawald steps in as the closer. Although it, I can't wait to see what else they do because Jerry Depoto said this move to trade Graveman when we're like what nine games over five hundred doesn't make sense as a standalone deal, but just kind of to clear clear space for other moves. So sounds like the Mariners will be pretty active and maybe buyer even though it kind of looks doesn't really look like it by trading Graveman. But uh, Seattle's moving and shaking. I kind of like what they're doing. Now, it seems like the Nelson Cruz deal was like a year ago, but just because so much has happened since then. But it was, I think, last Thursday, because Todd and I talked about it on XM on the MLB Network radio show on Saturday. And I noticed even then you had updated your individual top 20s for, for Minnesota. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it looked like, Joe Ryan, the headliner in that return for Minnesota, uh, to Minnesota for Nelson Cruz, slots in immediately as one of the Twins' you know top five prospects, maybe top three. Yeah, I had him. Uh, I have him at third in that org right now, and I have Drew Stratman at eleventh. So, uh, I think the Twins did did very well. I know, like I I had some Twins fans who I'm friends with you know, lamenting the fact that Nelson Cruz, who's probably the most exciting player to watch on that team these days, was no longer going to be there. But, I mean, that's that's a pretty nice haul. Two guys with, uh, you know, six-plus years of, of team control who I think both have a chance to be good starters. Joe Ryan has long had one of the best fastballs in the minors, and it's just been a question of how well he can develop the secondary pitches. Uh, just like with Abraham Toro, this is a good trade for both Joe Ryan and Drew Stratton's dynasty value because as smart as the Rays are, as, as talented as they are, it's not an org you want to have a pitching prospect come up in, especially one who doesn't have that like elite, elite, like Shane Boz type of upside where they're going to be given every chance to start. You could have easily envisioned the Rays moving Joe Ryan into like a three to four inning role or same thing with Stratman. And now that they're with the Twins, they, they'll be given every opportunity to start, I would think. And they're both very close to the majors. I mean, I don't know if they're going to debut this year uh, with the Twins. You know, they've, they've got lots of pitchers that I think uh, could warrant a, a look uh, later this summer, but... You know, I think it's it's a good move for both those guys' fantasy values because they go to a from an org that is very very conservative with pitcher usage. To, I mean, the Twins are just kind of a normal team when it comes to that type of thing. So I think they'll be they'll be given a chance to start, and 
Uh, Joe Ryan, I mean, statistically, he's he's probably better statistically than he is realistically. Uh, just because I think like the fastball alone, like he's able to have a, a ton of success against minor league hitters. So, I mean, I'm these aren't like top 50 prospects. I think Joe Ryan might be borderline top 100 for me right now. Uh, but that, I mean, a lot of that's just due to proximity because I think we're, we're going to see Joe Ryan um, probably spend pretty much all of next year in the majors. Before we move on, let's do a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson, talking about some of the moves that have already gone down ahead of the trade deadline. More to come, and I, I saw some rumors that maybe Joey Bart on the move, but we'll have to wait and see what what uh, San Francisco does. I know you like generally what, what they've been building there, and that window has been forced open there i think they're the first team to 60 wins this year the giants pretty insane but uh they're you know cross cross bay rivals the a's in addition to getting starling Marte, they also brought in andrew chafin kind of an underrated move uh because chafin pretty darn good you know bullpen piece to, to help them win now greg diekman heading to the cubs uh, the other way. What do you think about Deakman? And now that he's been moved, is do you see him playing pretty soon at the big league level? Uh, I don't know when we see him. Um, you know, Daniel I'm sure Palencia. By the way, I'm sorry to cut you off. But Daniel Palencia was also in that move. Not it, especially notable. You know, I assume they're going to probably find a taker for Chris Bryant and you know, probably Anthony Rizzo. And so like, assuming that they kind of clear some spots, we probably do see, see Deakman. Uh, I mean, he's, he's old, like he's, he's already 26 and he's never uh, played in the majors. So, um, you know, kind of a, a fringe top 100 guy. He is on there right now. Uh, with him, the big thing has always been the, the power. Uh, he's got a 32% hard hit rate. Um, strikeouts have been a huge part of the package with him. And it seems that by cutting those strikeouts this year, triple a, he's maybe selling out for a little less power because he's not hitting for the type of power that, that we've been accustomed to. But, 
Um, I'd probably bet that he's a quad A guy. Like I, I'm not overly confident, but you know, as the Cubs sort of switch into a, a bit of a mini rebuild here, he will at least you know sometime soon he'll get to a point where he's getting all he can eat in terms of opportunities. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, again, I I'm not overly optimistic, but that's a solid flyer to get back if you're if you're dealing a reliever. And I said Daniel Palencia, not all that notable. But I guess he can touch triple digits, so at least a, a lively arm who could develop into something there. Uh, James, with Adam Frazier getting dealt, the Pirates get back to Sapita Marcano, Jack Sawinski. Like out in uh, San Francisco, I know you like what they're doing in Pittsburgh as well in terms of building up that system. What do you think about the return for Adam Frazier? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. Uh Marcano, you know, he's basically big league ready. Uh, he broke camp with the Padres. Um, that was probably more a product of him being on the 40 man and then dealing with injuries. But uh, he's at least someone that's now in the mix as someone who could compete for an everyday job. Um, you know, he can, he can play kind of all over. Uh, so I think he, he'll get some looks at second base. Probably will get some looks, maybe at shortstop, uh, maybe in the outfield. But that's you know that's a nice piece to get back for Frazier, who you know was having a career year, but obviously wasn't a part of their long term plans, just given how much was left on his uh, his team control. So uh, I like Marcano as a guy to to go add in dynasty leagues, but he, he's probably already rostered. He's just got a really sound approach. Uh, doesn't have many weaknesses, but. Uh, not a ton of juice there. I mean, he's not going to hit for a ton of power, but he can steal some bases. So Winsky's a, a pretty interesting flyer as well. He's a pop-up guy this year, 22 at double A, uh, 15 homers in 66 games, uh, striking out a lot, but also walking a lot. So, I mean, Sawinski so probably just ends up being kind of like a quad A guy eventually, but he's at least – there's something there uh, just based on what he's done this year. So I think that's a, that's a fine second piece in that deal. So yeah, I continue to like what the pirates are doing. They're basically just bringing in and what we'll get to the Yankees trade in a second, but they're basically just bringing in a bunch of guys to compete for spots. And the hope is that, you know, one of those guys sort of separates himself at, at every position and, and they have something uh, to build around. Nice. And yeah, Marcano looks like his success rates on the base pass, not, particularly good in the minors, 15 uh, successful steals, 16 caught stealing in 2019, uh, but does have a little splash of speed and was hitting pretty well. I was wondering why he was already on the 40 man, but I guess they had to put him on for rule five protection. But, um, yeah. Only three years prior to this year of uh, pro experience. So I'm a little surprised that uh, he was rule five eligible, but I guess the rule five rules are weird, but it's like what four, pro years or or 20 plus years old i it, forget exactly yeah, it, what it it, is. there's different it, there's like an age cut off where yeah it's like five years or something if you sign as a teenager and right yeah four years if you sign like out of college or whatever um based on so many so many random ass rules yeah it's hard to 
keep track of them. By the way, Ken Rosenthal reporting that the Astros close to acquiring Jimmy Garcia. So Astros really beefing up that bullpen. Uh, but other players on the move over the past week, Hoy Park, Diego Castillo, the other Diego Castillo, um, not the one with the Rays, but the ones who the Yankees traded to the Pirates for Clay Holmes. Park was on that, you know, Jeff Zimmerman, our buddy, does that like Luke Voigt um, slash Max Muncy finder. Basically, you know, looking at guys who are just crushing the minors a little old. Uh, and Park was on that. Is he a notable prospect, or do you think this is just kind of a guy old for his level, just mashing at an age-inappropriate level? Um, probably the latter, but he, he does have pedigree. He, he signed for 1.1 million, I think back in 2014, he's been on and off the top 400 dating back to like, yeah, I think 2017, 2018. So like Hoy Parks, you know, he didn't, he didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, but he is, he is a little old and. Uh, he had been, you know, kind of passed over and not given much of a look by the Yankees. And yeah, uh, age inappropriate up, doesn't sound right for guys for <laughs> his level. So I'm sorry to Hoy Park for saying he's age inappropriate. That <laughs> um, sounds uh, scandalous. But that, like, this is the type of guy, though, that I I think teams like the Pirates should be willing to take on. And I mean there's lots of different resources, you know, there's like draft picks, there's international bonus pool money to spend, but like playing time is a resource and you can give guys like Hoy Park some opportunities at the big league level. They might not be able to get on a team like the Yankees and you can see if there's something there. And if there's not, then you just, you move on. But the pirates are in a position where they can give guys like that a look and try to uncover something. And I mean, you, you can't not be impressed by what he was doing at AAA. So, I mean, I think the fact that the Yankees didn't keep him on the 40 man, uh, even prior to this trade, you know, they obviously weren't huge believers. Um, but I mean, I think that again, I think it's a, it's a strong move by Pittsburgh and Diego Castillo, uh, you know, again, a little old for, for the level that he's tearing it up at. And the hard hit numbers are not that great. He's he's below 25% hard hit, which isn't great for a 23-year-old at AA, but uh, you got to like the contact rate. And, um, you know, he's, been, he's had a good year. So, again, probably doesn't turn into an everyday player, but the Pirates just now have, have so much depth. Uh, they really have one of the deepest farm systems in, in all the in all baseball. So um, that competition, you just, you hope you bring these guys in and the cream will rise to the top and, and hopefully you get somebody out of, out of all these deals. With Hoy Park, you love to see him at AAA with as many walks as strikeouts, 46 walks to 46 strikeouts at Wilkes-Barre over 223 plate appearances off a little bit of a, a slow start in the Pittsburgh organization, but I, I kind of wonder if he's a pickup for the rest of the season, kind of a, cause like you said, playing time is currency. And I think they want to, they should play this guy. I mean, there's no service time game is to be played obviously. And uh, he's already at yeah, 25. I think you, you see what you got there and see if you got something in, in Hoy park. 
Now, um, is Diego Castillo, I said the other Diego Castillo, but does he have a higher ceiling than the current Diego Castillo? <laughs> Uh, eh, probably not. I mean, okay. I would take the the guy who's had success in the majors and has gotten saves in the majors over the twenty three year old hitter at Double A who was below league average in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and twenty nineteen. <laughs> um, you know, I he's he's just kind of a flyer, right? Like, I mean, Diego Castillo with the Rays, you can at least you know, you think you're probably going to get like 15 saves a year from him. So I, I don't think this Diego Castillo is going to reach that level of relevancy, but but we'll see. Now, I saw that the Mets have some concerns about Kumar Rocker's elbow. Not really surprising given what we've known about him and his stock was falling. Do you think he maybe passes up signing with the Mets? And maybe they the two sides just can't come to an agreement given his health? It it seems like there's some some hardball going on with the negotiations. Uh, they've got what four days I think to to reach a deal. Um, you know, I I hope he signs. I hope he just. I hope they can kind of come to some sort of agreement, and he can rehab whatever it is. And you know, if he needs to go under the knife. You know, I'd I'd rather him do that in a big league organization than at Vanderbilt or something like that. But yeah, it's just a bummer, you know. Uh all we can really do now is just sort of point point out this fact, point out the, the fact that he might not sign for, for anyone who has a first year player draft coming up. You probably want to just take him off your board. Uh but I but I hope he signs and I hope uh everything gets resolved, but just, just kind of a big bummer. Cause he's, he's one of the more fun players from this entire class. I mean, it was already a class that where you had Will Taylor and Peyton Stovall going to school, two of the more exciting prep hitters. I mean, if, if we lose one of the best college players from the class from it too, I mean, it's going to be an all time mediocre class. It's true. Well, more to come, but real quick, a word from our sponsor, WinBet. Get a new read from them. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital, con- digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at uh, Baccarat. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. James, uh, 
it's I don't know if it's stash in season or not, but uh, you got any stash candidates you want to throw out there? Yeah, uh, I want to start with an old friend first, uh, Luis Garcia of the Nationals. Uh, I actually, I began the stash last week in the stake league with with Luis Garcia. I mean, he's so it is crazy. Stake. It's it is it's stash and season in our sixteen team stake league. Yeah, I mean it's always stash and season. Yeah, that's league. true. I'm still stashing Bobby Witt for Chris. Yeah, Dude, that's uh, that stash will pay off. I hope so. It looks like this Mike. Well, Mike Trout have been sitting on obviously for three months, whatever it's been. Like all Mike Trout fantasy managers, and that one's looking like that may not pay off. At a setback, and man, it's a real bummer. The season just. Yeah. The, the hits keep adding up. It's um, uh, it's been a tough year, fantasy wise. Yeah, uh, but anyways, uh, Luis Garcia. <laughs> well, I it's actually been my best year, so I can't like I'm I'm not. Oh, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not doing too badly. I just mean like the injuries just keep piling up. Like I just when it rains, it pours, man. It's yeah. I mean the I. The Trey, the Trey Turner COVID diagnosis was was far from ideal. Uh, that's that's keeping me up. Um, but you know, I was sort of hoping that after that news went down about Trey Turner, that uh, Luis Garcia might get the call uh, right away. It hasn't happened as of when we're recording, but I mean, he's he's just turned twenty twenty one a couple months ago, which is just crazy for me to think about. Um, and he's, he's hit 13 home runs in 37 games at triple a, uh, obviously there's, there's a big gap in competition between triple a and the majors, but I mean, that's, that's the same amount of home runs he hit at low a high a double a and the majors combined. And he did it in 37 games. And I always love the hit tool with Luis Garcia, and he's still hitting for a high average. He's hitting 303, great strikeout rate. Um, but finally getting to that power, I mean, I have no idea how legit it is, but I mean, you can't say that he's old for the level. He's he basically he should still be a double A based on his age. And uh, so he's just raking at triple A right now. The Nats clearly uh, moving on into sort of a, a, a rebuild of their own. So I, you know, I don't really know what they're waiting for. I think he's going to be up pretty soon. And, you know, I, I know lots of people, if you're like me, finding a middle infielder in your competitive mixed leagues is, is tough to do right now. So uh, Luis Garcia is, is pretty interesting. And then the other guy that I'd mentioned who I've been asked, I've probably been asked about Jose Miranda of the Twins more than almost any prospect over the last couple of weeks. And for good reason. I mean, he's, just on a, a total tear right now. And I, I think you might see him get the call after the trade deadline. He can, he can play multiple spots in the infield. And I mean, he's two years older than Luis Garcia, uh, but absolutely dominated double a dominating triple a. So I think those are, those are two guys that if you're, you're really hurting for uh, an infielder, I think we'd probably see both of them before we record next. 
Uh, a couple real quick notes. So just seeing on my Twitter feed, uh, Jack Leiter, seven point nine two two million. That according to Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, that's Leiter's signing bonus. So I believe that's one of the highest. I believe that's the highest for an arm since uh, Garrett Cole. Um, one of the highest signing bonuses or richest signing bonuses over the last 10 years. And then uh, Brian De La Cruz, outfielder, was the one traded for Yimmy Garcia. Any uh, Is it Brian De La Cruz a notable prospect or not really? Uh, not really. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't think you'd get much for uh, Yimmy, but no. I kind of like him. But Okay, I just saw that, so I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, now, Pedro De Leon was a guy you bumped up on your rankings. We talked about him as a riser on your latest top 400 update. He was a double green arrow up guy, but now out six weeks with a fractured pinky. Do you think that kind of takes a debut this year off the table? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge bummer, but I think it, it certainly probably takes that off the table. Um, you thought you know, maybe he, he would he, play a little outfield if at the end of the year, remote chance. Yeah, I just – I don't see it. I mean, I think you would probably – he would have to beat that timeline by a couple of weeks, I, I think. And then even then, you know, the minor league season is going to be over by then, so it's not like he can go rehab it anywhere. Uh, but what I what I do think it means, um, which is good news to anyone who's going to be checking out Arizona Fall League games this year is I think it, it pretty much makes Pedro Leon a lock to go to the AFL uh, nice. to make up for lost time and kind of set up uh, an early 2022 debut. Very nice. Glad to hear that they are playing the Fall League this year. I thought that was very much up in the air, but uh, glad to see them announce that. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Now, James, after your top 400 prospects list, you've shifted your focus to the dynasty rankings. Do you have a published date in mind for those? Uh, yeah, there? tomorrow. Uh, so Thursday. Uh, so depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be up, but I'm working on uh, finishing those today, tomorrow morning, and then they'll be up tomorrow. Uh, the goal was just to get them done before the trade deadline. I know that some a lot of dynasty leagues probably have their, their own trade deadlines around the big league trade deadline. So uh, hopefully you can put those to use before making your, your last minute trades to try to try to go win a title or to try to sell your win now pieces for people that might help you win a future title. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, just kind of going through a lot of the players who've been sort of, not really on my radar um, and just sort of seeing how everyone's doing. I mean, there's, there's probably not as much movement on this one as there was on the last one. Uh, but there were some guys where I was just like sort of shaking my head, like why the hell did you have that guy so high and, and that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll preview those, but I'm, I am glad to hear you're doing really well in most of your leagues, James. Are you going to be out there moving and shaking and deals? Are you pretty well set? Uh, how active are you in trade talks right now? Uh, I've, I've been having some talks. Um, a friend of the show, Rob Sherwood was, was trying to, trying to get Julio Rodriguez off me in one dynasty league that I'm trying to win. And, um, he he was not 
interested in putting Alec Manoa in the deal. So, so talks fell through, but, uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of chatter going on in, in some of my dinosaur leagues right now. Um, I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of in that sort of barely cashing zone in a, in a few and trying to make, uh, make up some ground, but, um, I don't want to do anything stupid either. You know I mean? You don't, you kind of want to, <laughs> you, you want to keep a cool head. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are making um, big trades because they're, they're fearing a lockout next year. I think there's, there's some validity to that. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier making trades right now. I think if you are a clear seller than if you're a clear buyer, because especially in leagues where you can trade for like draft picks, like I'm, I'm in a couple keeper leagues and in, in keeper leagues, like draft picks are, are great currency. And so you can, you can sell off all your old guys and get those picks back. But in, in true dynasty leagues where you're contending, I mean, it, it is tough because there's, you know, every, everyone wants the like Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt or whatever on your, on your team. And, I think you gotta you gotta really drive a hard bargain on those guys because that's that's kind of the absolute cream of the crop for for dynasties. Yeah, you gotta be willing to say no, and you gotta be willing to just walk away for a little while, and maybe you'll revisit things, maybe not. But yeah, you can't just be taking a trade just to do a trade. Um, yeah, I haven't really been. Haven't done a lot of trades this year. I did make one big deal in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League with our buddy Eric Segrist. I uh, I acquired Nick Castellanos, Ozzy Albies, a few other pieces, India, and traded away Jazz Chisholm and Alec Manoa. But then Acuna got hurt, Castellanos got hurt. <laughs> so now I'm kind of thinking I don't want to mortgage anymore in my future it's a tough line to to walk so that's brutal man but the, the, yeah, Acuna... still in the mix but i mean I, I could make more moves to try to win but without acuna castellanos out several weeks it's going to be a tough it'd be really tough to overcome acuna has been such a bombshell in in all formats but i mean i'm sure there's just i'm sure we've got tons of listeners who like Things were looking so good in terms of getting that big payday prior to that Acuna injury, but I mean, you lose a guy like that, doesn't really matter uh, what you got uh, behind him. I mean, you're just you're not making up those stats. Well, let's talk about your dynasty ranking update, which, as you said, will be coming to the site on Thursday, maybe live now, depending on when you're listening to this. So let's talk about some fallers. Anthony Rendon, man, our our main event team is doing pretty well, but if we could just have that pick back and go any other route, realistically, how far does he fall for you in dynasty, Anthony Rendon? Well, I kind of wanted to get your take too, just because we, we have him together. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if we could just redo the Rendon, I mean, I regret the Luke Voigt pick too, but, at least like Luke Voigt's a guy that you and I have both really loved. Like Rendon was, that was a pick where I was like, that's the only league I have Rendon in this year. And that's the only 
draft I even considered taking him in, and I just I've regretted it uh, all year long. Uh, you know, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he was he was really good uh, last year. Like, do we think that this is just one of those crazy years where he's just he hasn't been healthy and um, he's going to be a, a big time bounce back candidate next year? Uh, or is it is he thirty one and is his body starting to break down? I mean, what what do you think? You know, I'm inclined to not put too much stock into this and write him off. It's a bad year, but I don't know, man. I, I think he should be fine. Um, maybe not fine as like a top three round pick, but I think he'll be a top 100 guy for a few more years to come. Uh, I wouldn't bump him outside the top 100 for Dynasty, would you? Uh, actually, well, right me, now, you sent me your list so I could look at myself. Well, I, I actually – it's not going to be that useful for where the guys are. Cause I haven't added the prospects yet. Oh, I got you. Um, but uh, let me just list like the guys that I have him kind of around and you can tell me if, if he should be in a different area. So I've, I've got him around like JT real Muto. These are for OBP, by the way, uh, two catcher <laughs> OBP, JT real Muto, Kettle Marte, Reese Hoskins, JD Martinez, Jose Barrios, Sal Perez, Nolan Arenado. Like, is that, does that seem like the right Yeah, range? that sounds right. I think him and Arenado are really good, like, level uh, analysis. You're kind of like a baseline for what you can expect for for uh, Anthony Rendon. Like, Arenado outside of cores. I know it's been a bad year, but, I mean, think about how many bad stretches we've seen over the over the years. They, they happen. It's baseball. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe Mike Trout being – being off so long as hurt Rendon a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of narrative, but maybe more pressure and carrying a greater burden. Although Otani has lifted that burden. Crazy that he is closing out on 40 homers already. Otani. Absolutely insane. But um, yeah, I see you have, again, you haven't added the prospects yet, but it may be, maybe Rendon will be bumped out of your, your top 100. I'll just wait and see for that. Uh, but Zach Gallon dealt with like three separate injuries, I believe, or at least three separate stints on the IL. Um, I thought he was a real ace, but is he kind of a guy you view as in Dynasty as like a two or three rather than an ace? Well, I I lumped like Zach Gallon and Max Freed together um, in the rankings just because they were two young burgeoning aces um certainly more so with gallon probably than freed but um you know it's just with gallon uh, those injuries those those arm injuries and then he comes out and and has the the worst command we've ever seen from him and he's got a whip over he's got a one four whip right now um he I basically listed guys where I just am really struggling with where to put them uh, on that rundown because I absolutely love healthy gallon. I just don't know. I don't know if he's at 100% right now. And I don't know if like when to expect him to be at 100%. Um, 
So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking he's sort of borderline top 100 as well. Uh, same with like Max Fried, even though they're both, you know, they should be kind of entering their primes right now. But it just seems like both guys have just not really been right this year and have maybe been pitching through stuff. And it's, it's taken a toll on their their overall production. But, you know, with a hitter, it's a lot easier to just say, oh, well, he's going to bounce back next year. He'll be a full offseason to get healthy. But with pitchers, it's just, you know, you don't really know if it's something that like might require like a, a cleanup procedure or something like that. Um, or, you know, what exactly is going on? Um, obviously with all the spider tech stuff, I mean, that's, that could be a factor too. It's just, I, I don't really know what to, what to do with Zach Allen. Yeah. Really tough to figure out. I know it's hard to evaluate all players coming off the short in 2020 season, but pitchers, especially like just so hard to, to evaluate these guys because they're they're fatigued, you know, they're dealing with injuries at a higher rate. It's just, you know, in, in Gallon's case, he had that fractured forearm from what taking BP in the cages. You just don't know how things have piled up for him and affected his performance. Two of the bigger busts on the offensive side for me in the middle infield. And I love these guys in draft season. So I'm glad to hear you're having a great year. These guys are holding my year back in fantasy uh, baseball. Gavin Lux and Glaber Torres. Maybe I should have seen Torres coming because really since 2019, the power has dried up. But Lux, I just don't know. I don't see how he struggled this badly in that situation. And maybe the in and out of the lineup has hurt, but uh, pretty hard to fathom this outcome this year for Gavin Lux. Yeah, you know, I mean, his – He's been a little unlucky, but even if he'd been hit, like his XBA is 252. Hmm. So like if I told you, like, you know, he, he was hitting 252, you'd probably feel a little bit better. But, yeah, you know, he's, he's still not really helping you that much. And I think the most troubling thing with Lux has been the, the power and speed or lack thereof just six home runs and three steals and 82 games. I mean, that's just, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, it's been uh, almost 500 plate appearances in the majors for him so far. Uh, you know, that's, it's not enough to say that a guy sucks, but it's a, it's a decent sample size of him being, well below league average as a hitter. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have him outside my top 100 and I'm going to have Glaber Torres outside my top 100. And with, with Torres, it's a lot easier to kind of figure out what sort of happened. Um, we had the juice ball in 2019 and he hit for a ton of power and, he has not hit for much power at all since then. And so if we get another juice ball, maybe he'll have a bounce back season. I mean, unlike Lux, at least Claver Torres is kind of maxing out uh, to the best of his abilities with everything other than that power. 
He's walking a lot. He's he's stolen 10 bases. I mean, if you could have told people in draft season that Glaber Torres would have 10 steals before the end of July, he probably would have gone a round or two earlier than he was going. Yeah. Right? So, um, I mean, the, the steals have been nice, but uh, I just think that the the power, the the true power with like a with the ball that we're currently using, is just nowhere near what what it looked like it might have been in in 2019. And so I, I think these are guys that you know if you can still sell them as top 100 dynasty pieces, I mean I think it, it's probably a, a solid time to do that. Um, like selling low, like everyone's scared to sell low, but you know, I think that like the A's sold low on Jesus Lazardo, but if Jesus Lazardo is this bad for the rest of the season, then his value is going to be even lower. And I think the same goes for Glaber Torres and Gavin Lux and Dynasty Leagues. Matt Chapman was another guy I've been high on for a few years and you know, I uh, I still like him. The defense is great. I, I'll probably be in on him next year. But is he a guy who, you know, you have serious concerns about? Uh, should I be taking another circle around on Chapman and reevaluating things? Because um, it just well, doesn't I, seem possible that he's this bad. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think he can be not this bad, but still like be a be a fairly big faller in the dynasty rankings you know like i i was pretty uh, i i only have chapman and keeper in dynasty leagues i didn't take him in redraft just because of the hip issue and uh it's you know i think we can assume that that's probably played a, a role i mean he'd never had an iso below 230 prior to this year and and his iso this year is 152 so it's been uh, it's been a stark decline in the power department for him. So I think I'm I think I'm in on him for redraft next year because I think the price will be uh, pretty nice. Yeah. And, and like you said, that, that defense is going to keep him in the lineup, right? I mean, he, he he's going to play every day, basically. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to hit he's... In, a, in, in a solid spot in that lineup. Yeah, sorry to cut in. He's slugging 371, yet he's still been worth two wins above replacement by Fangraph's war. Just speaks to that defense. And yeah, I just, this is a perfect buying opportunity. I feel like even though the you know, K rate's up, but walking a lot. So that's good to see. But it's just you, uh, a weird, it seems like a fluke year for him. Would you trade either Gavin Lux or Glaber Torres for Chapman and Dynasty? It's a good question. I think I would trade Lux, yes. Torres. I still like Torres. I don't know. I can't can't give up on him yet. So And I gotta ask you about uh another third baseman who was probably going mean, even higher than Matt Chapman in drafts. You mean shortstop? Uh, I mean third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> Gina. Um, yeah, I, I've Eugenio and uh, Chapman kind of back to back. Are you more worried about about Gina? Yeah, maybe I'm 
I see this sometimes with the Reds, but maybe I can't see the forest or the trees and I'm too close to the situation. But I'd rather have Chapman over Gino by a pretty decent margin for 2022. I just, you know, since since the 29th season, he's just been pretty abysmal, Eugenio Suarez. And I do think maybe the, the team asking him to play short got in his head a little bit and just – he had made an error within minutes of the season starting. I do think there's something to that kind of getting in his head. And um, he's had some big moments. I was there when he homered off your boy, Josh Hader, a few weeks ago. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I was but, pumped um, that you are at that game. That was a pretty cool game. Thanks again to Jenny Butler for the great seats. Um, but, yeah, I, Gino just – I feel like he's probably on his way out of Cincinnati pretty soon in another park could fizzle out kind of quickly. I just don't get how this happened because he was he hit 242 or better from 2014 to 2019, and now he's like this sub Mendoza hitter. Yeah, man, it's been like how did I just so ugly? Like it, it was basically after his age 27 season, he just turned into like a terrible version of Joey Gallo. Like I don't, yeah. I just, I just don't understand like how that that can shift that dramatically after that much track record of you being a certain type of hitter. So I yeah, I'm, it is amazing because track record clearly not everything. I mean, obviously past production doesn't guarantee future production, but for that kind of track record, for a guy to just fall flat is pretty rare. I mean, the I decline is much this quickly. I might I might go back to the well with him. Uh, like, I mean, is he? Do you think he even goes inside the top? Like, is he a top one hundred and fifty pick next year? Top two hundred pick next year? Top one hundred and fifty? I say no. Two hundred maybe. Is he? Is he going to have a middle eligibility? Yeah, I did gain it for next year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I could see maybe around 200. Yeah, he's still only 30, 31 next year. So, yeah, I, if he's maybe. with the Reds, he's with the Reds and he's going outside the top 175, I might, I might get it. But one thing I didn't notice watching him play, but I see it on his fan graphs page, it looks like he's gotten really pull happy in recent years. His pull rate was always around like 40, 42, then. 2019, 52% pull rate. 2020, 54.5. 2021, 49.8. So about a 50-plus percent pull rate since the 2019 season. 2019, he did hit almost 50 bombs. But maybe he just got too in love with that power and trying to muscle it over that short portion in left field in Great American Ballpark. Uh, James, as we wrap up today, some other disappointments this year. Joe Adele, Alec Bohm, Ian Happ, Adelisco. Well, Adelisco, he was a big breakout early, but he's kind of gone cold <laughs> since. Keston Hira. Uh, any of those guys just not on your dynasty ranks? Or yeah. hold, barely holding yeah. on? Uh, I think a few of them will probably be off. Um, I do just want to say, like, Clay, I, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes this year. Um and I, I regret a lot of things I've done this year, both in fantasy and, and not fantasy. Uh, really? But I, I don't know if I'm more ashamed of myself for any one thing than 
having Adolis Garcia in my top 150 on the last update. <laughs> like I, I'm just, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm absolutely ashamed of myself. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm better than that. I feel like I, I know better than to have done that. And I, Hey, he was just, just on another level early on. So I don't want to beat yourself it, up too bad. I think I published that last update. And like from that day on, he just started sucking. Um, yeah, he was. You can pretty much tie it to that day. And I, I, like, in my head, I knew, like, I was like, what, like, this, this can't be real. Like, and I was like fading, like I was fading Garcia, like on our radio show and everything, like, and then he just like had done so much in such a short amount of time. I was like, well, you know, he, he's got the power, he's got the speed, like he's got the playing time, like, you know, I'll, I'll bump him inside the top 150. And I just, I've just felt miserable about it uh, basically ever since. And I really can't wait to update the list and have him uh, where he really kind of belongs. And that's, that's probably off the list altogether. Uh, but it really was RSTD's Aquino 2.0. Like, yeah. 14 um, homers in a month and a half, and then Ian you know. Happ and Keston Hero are two other guys who probably just get bumped off. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, if anyone, if anyone wants to hit me up and make a case for keeping Happ or Garcia or Hero on, and I'm, I'm all ears. But uh, I mean, Alec Bohm, I'm probably going to just keep on because I just think. I don't really see him ever really losing playing time uh, given their lack of internal depth. Uh, I did, Joe Adele, if I had Joe Adele in a dynasty league right now, I would try to trade him. Yeah. I just, he hasn't really improved at what he needed to improve at, at AAA. And it's been, it's been a while. And like, I, I didn't think like Jaron Duran would have success in the majors. Thought he was going to strike out too much, but I feel even more confident that Joe Adele would not have success if he got the call. Uh, and you know, you could point you could point to that two seventy nine average at AAA and the twenty homers and eight steals, and you might be able to get something decent for him in a dynasty league. But I think once he comes back up to the majors and falls flat again, then I think his value is kind of in the tank at that point. So I would, uh, I, I told people to sell high on Jaron Duran. I'm sure nobody listened to me, um, but I'm telling you that this isn't even really selling high, but selling before the value plummets even further. Yeah. And back to Adelise. I mean, I, uh, in the Sirius XM dynasty league, I spent over a third of my budget. Like four hundred dollars out of thousand on that at least. So you're not alone there, James, and getting excited about the first month and a half or what have you. Uh, in our main though, we got Dalton Varsho a few weeks back for I think a buck was it, or a couple bucks. Yeah, yeah. and that's been great. I um, got him in tout head to head, where I'm fighting to hold on to a playoff spot, and it seems like this is you know finally it's finally breaking out. I know people were hoping he would do that in draft season early on before it became clear that he was headed down speed at the catcher position, a very rare thing. I'm wondering 
you know, dynasty leagues, Dalton Varsho versus Alejandro Kirk, who's now back in the base. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm really enjoying this, this Varsho run um, for our main event team. And I'm, I'm probably, it's probably just stupid to even hope that it happens, but I, I'm hoping that like people don't really catch on to it for drafts next year because, He's definitely going to have catcher eligibility. He's definitely going to have outfield eligibility. And I think he's going to play a ton of outfield for the Diamondbacks next year. So he might be he might be basically an everyday player eligible at catcher who could go, I don't know, 2015, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see what Varsho's price tag is in, in redraft leagues next year. Uh, but I think the the big elephant in the room with Alejandro Kirk is that Gabriel Moreno has emerged as Toronto's clear-cut catcher of the future. He's already on the 40-man roster. He had to be added this past offseason. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, he'd probably already be at AAA. But he's uh, been out with a thumb injury. And so I just don't know... I don't know if they're going to have the playing time available for Alejandro Kirk. Uh, that's that's probably my main concern there. I mean, Varsho is a, a decent athlete, obviously plays other positions. The Blue Jays pretty much have to play Kirk at DH if they wanted to play Kirk and Moreno together. So I think I'm going – I think Kirk is the better hitter, and it's not that close. Like, I think Kirk is a guy that could hit 270, 280 as a catcher. But I'm going to go Varsho because I think the playing time, like he might have twice as many plate appearances as Kirk uh, in 2023. So I'm going to go Varsho. Very nice. You know, I didn't realize Varsho was a Wisconsin guy, Marshfield, Wisconsin. During the draft, the guys on MLB Network were talking about how Wisconsin's kind of becoming a hotbed all of a sudden for baseball talent. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I mean, obviously Lux has flopped and Kelnick has – Struggled, but uh, it's it's a it's a hotbed of of busts. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. But um, hey, you guys got your Milwaukee championship ring, so yeah, you can take a few L's on. A no few one, no L's. one can ever take that from me. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. person, yeah. It's cool to see Aaron Rodgers back. By the way, I mean, I don't know about the the office tea that he showed up in. Um, I, I do know about the office tea. It was lame as hell. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I didn't want to say it, but I, I mean, I've watched The Office a couple times through, and I used to kind of like it, but it's kind of just. Uh, I don't. I mean, the, the Office is fine, uh, but wearing that T-shirt as a it's like a thirty-eight year like a thirty-eight year old professional athlete. Like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell are you doing with the shades and like the. The hair pulled back. It seems like he's maybe having like a midlife crisis type of deal. <laughs> like you know that he were, thought he looked really cool there. Right? Yeah, like he still wishes he was like twenty five year old superstar. He's still awesome, but uh, feels like he's maybe playing the cool guy route a little a little too much, too cool for school. But I'll still be rooting for the Packers. Thankfully, I was never raised the Cincinnati Bengals fan. 
my dad was exclusively a Reds fan. By the way, that, that actually leads perfectly into walk-up songs because mine is kind of like uh, a nod to my dad. He wouldn't like the song, uh, but tomorrow is my dad's birthday. So uh, I'm kind of honoring him in a way by going with Lil Wayne's Bloodlines. We see a lot of, you know, Bloodlines uh, kind of you know, the fruit coming to to bloom uh rose <laughs> I totally mix up my metaphors but um a lot of the bloodlines in the big leagues kind of dominating uh, the major league scene right now so Lil Wayne's bloodlines try to find a clean version or just the instrumental clean version may not exist but uh 500 degrees was underweight underrated Lil Wayne album yeah that's a it's a good it's a good track a good album um was there was uh is there a feature on that i don't believe so not on bloodlines okay i don't think so but i um yeah that was right before the carter and like right after everybody left so 500 degrees obviously play on 400 degrees from juvie and uh i thought that would probably ruin their relationship forever you know some real heat between the two I think they made up down the line, the Wayne and Juve. All right. Well, mine is uh, I'm going with my second Jay Z track. I'm sure that'll mm-hmm. make Andrew happy. Um, I'm going to go with Money Cash Hose, Jay Z featuring DMX. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that 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 Swiss Beats beat will. Uh, be just what I need to come to the plate and make something happen. And uh, I like. It. I mean, I'm sure they're not going to be able to play the unedited chorus in the the ballpark, but I mean, go ahead and go ahead and edit it. Everyone knows how it goes, so I mean, I'm I'm ready for whatever. Yeah, manually edit it. Person running the uh, the songs. That'd be funny to like make them go into GarageBand and like make the song clean on your request. You know, I actually am going to throw a, a bonus one in. And I had earlier in the week, I'd made up my mind that this is the song I was going to use. Then I just forgot about it. But We Gonna Make It by Jada, Jada Kiss and Styles P. Oh, hell yeah. So that's uh, maybe a bonus track Andrew could throw on. Thank you to our buddy Andrew Redding, by the way, who curates the Spotify playlist, keeps everything current with our selections. You can check that out on Spotify if you're into hip-hop. Or just good music. We have one non-hip-hop song on there. My choice last week. Anything else on your mind today, James, before we wrap things up? No, man, I'm, I'm good. It was good, uh, good chatting with you. And, uh, you too. Man. Yeah, those, those Dynasty rankings will, will be up on Thursday. Thanks, and check out our coverage of the trade deadline. As James said earlier in the show, our news crew is doing a great job and notes in real time for every trade that goes down heading up to Friday's deadline. That'll do it for us, guys. Hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.